Hey, before we get started, um, the first thing I'd like to do is, man, you guys probably would not know this, but we had a big audible that came up this morning, and, um, and I don't know if everybody was completely aware of what was going to happen, but man, you would not be able to tell. We did not miss a beat in our worship today, and these guys did just a great job. So man, I hope that we can really appreciate all that they do, all that they said in the tone when, the, when they present before us, because they did. Like I said, this morning started off a little bit different than what they thought. Yeah, give them a round of applause, because they really did do a good job. And it's good to see that we have so many people that are just willing to step up in a pinch and step and do the things that we need to have happen. So, man, I really do appreciate them. And if you have your copy of God's Word, if you go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians, that is where we're going to spend the day today. And, and uh, man, we're going to spend a lot of time in God's Word, spending time on what is most important. But we're glad to have you with us here on New Year's Eve. And I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I hope that everything was really good along those lines. But it's really good to have you here with us on New Year's Eve. And as I was walking around, I was talking to people about, man, what does your New Year's Eve plans look like this year? What are you planning on doing? And they got to me, and they're like, what do you think you're going to do tonight? I'm like, man, on the days I preach, um, I don't sleep very good anyway. So this morning, the Lord decided to pick me up or wake me up at 3.15 in the morning. So I'm hoping to make it to like 8 o'clock tonight. If I can make it to 8 o'clock, I'm going to think it's a victory. But I hope you're excited, man. I hope that you're feeling good and excited about what's going to happen in this new year. And for a lot of us, what I'm going to say is this. New Year's Eve is, is just another holiday. Um, some of us tonight are going to spend some time reflecting on what the past years look like. Man, we're going to be making preparations for what 2024 is going to look like. But the truth is this. For followers of Jesus, New Year's doesn't have a unique significance to us, right? Like last week, we celebrated Christmas. A ton of significance within that. We celebrate holidays like Easter, and we get to see the, 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 the significance that goes into this, but there's really no biblical narrative that tells us how we need to celebrate New Year's Eve, right, or New Year's Day. So that doesn't mean, though, as believers in Jesus Christ, we shouldn't pause and reflect on, on the turning of the calendar. That is a big deal. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses asked of the Lord, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So what that tells us is this, seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years, man, they're a gift to us from God. They're a gift from the Lord. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 and 16 tells us, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. And what that tells us is this, man, to wisely follow God, then is to redeem our time well. We want to redeem our time well. So use New Year's. Use New Year's as a time to remember the goodness of God as it's unfolded across this past year. And the truth is, for some of us, that's hard. Man, Satan wants to bring to mind all the disappointments, all the hurts over the past year. But sometimes... The details of God's interventions only become obvious to us when we take time to think about his goodness over the past year, over the past years of our lives. Um, when we take time to think about his goodness over time, man, it affects how we see our struggles, doesn't it? We see that we just weren't always struggling, that, that there were struggles that came, but the Lord was with us. It affects how we looked at our victories. What I don't want us to do is this. Man, we can't forget what God has done for us over the past year because God has worked in a mighty, mighty way in our lives. And, and what else we need to remember is this idea of remember who you are as we start a new year. Remember who you are. 
man, you are a new creation, and we serve a king who renews us daily by his Holy Spirit. And New Year should be a time that we renew old commitments. As we think about the changes we want to make and the things that we want to do better and the way we want things to change, we don't want to forget the old commitments that we made in our life, like commitments to our marriages. we got to celebrate 64 years of marriage this morning. We don't want to forget about commitments like family, church, God's word. So what I'm going to tell you is this. Some of the most important work that you do takes place inside the walls of your home. Inside the walls of your home, we do important things. Um, man, we love our spouses. We raise our children. And, and what we want to do is, as we are loving our spouses, as we're raising our children, we want to do that in this atmosphere of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We want to be that person that shows that same love and grace that we've been given. And we live out the gospel best when we live it out in a daily pattern of repentance and forgiveness with our loved ones. Maybe as we come into the new year, we need to remind ourselves um, what it looks like to be a faithful member of the body of Christ. We know over the past few years, there's been a lot of things that have happened that have made it easy for us to separate away from the body of Christ. Man, we need to remember what it looks like to be a faithful member in the body of Christ. And what we understand is this. For the church family at First Baptist Church, man, this is where we gather together each week to declare God's kingship, to talk about and learn about. This is where we study God's word. This is where we live in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And what I'm going to tell you is this, and don't forget this as we head into 2024, God-honoring and God-glorifying work happens in these walls. We come here to glorify our king. And what I want us to just look at is to understand this, that in this world today, commitments to your marriage, commitments to family, commitments to your church and God's word don't always look and feel significant, do they? But what I'm going to tell you is faithfulness in these core areas of our life over a long period of time is a radical, countercultural way to live. And that's what we want to do. So as you prepare for 2024 today, tonight, make plans, but hold on to them loosely. Man, we entrust our future not to our Google calendar, right? Not to our social media account. We don't, do, we don't lean into our own understanding, but we trust in the Lord in all our ways. And what we understand is this, man, we have a king and we want to glorify him. And I hope that is on your heart as we move into this year. John Piper, as I was studying this week, was talking about Jesus' second coming. And as he was talking about it, he says, when we talk about what it means to be in Christ, he was talking about his second coming and being, and being in, it, in it with Christ. He said, if you really want to be like Jesus by seeing him when he comes, you pursue being like him now. And as we head into a new year, is that where our hearts are at? Like the new year is a reminder for us. It's a reminder to keep Jesus in the forefront of our minds. So if you were here last week with us, we ended our Advent series, right? We ended our Advent series, and, and the title of the Advent series this season was um, Christmas as the Mission. And during those four weeks, we talked about truths. And we talked about truths that happen at Christmas time, but are also truths that happen all year long, right? And Pastor Chris, as he was talking about it, brought up three big ideas. And the three big ideas were the mission, the method, and the mandate, right? And as he talked about the mission, do you remember what the mission was? Jesus came to what? 
save his people, right? He came to save his people from their sins. And Pastor Chris talked about who are his people. His people are all who have repented and believe in him. And then he talked about the method. Jesus, God in flesh, came to the earth. He lived a perfect sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins so we could be made right, be made right with a righteous and holy God and was resurrected three days later and is now seated at the right hand of the Lord. And as we hear that, that should move our hearts to what becomes the mandate for us. And the mandate is this. Do you remember what the mandate was? Go and tell, right? Man, we're to go and tell about what Jesus has done, that he saves his people from his sins. Go tell everybody. Man, we're to go tell everybody from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation of the hope that we have in Jesus. All right? So when Pastor Chris started this Advent series, I don't know if you remembered it or not, he compared it to a, a Little Debbie Christmas tree case. You remember that? He said, they're a snack, right? They're a snack. And what we did just then, we just took a little bite out of the snack, right? And, and what we're going to do now is this. Now we're going to move forward. And we're going to head back into what is the meat for First Baptist Church, and that's expositional preaching. We are going to get into the expositional preaching and the meat. And in 2024, we're going to head back into a verse-by-verse study of God's Word, letting the point of each week's sermon come from the text that we read. All right? But this week is still going to be a little bit different. What we're going to do is this. I don't know about you. It's been four weeks since we've been in 2 Corinthians. Man, sometimes it's easy to forget where we have been, right? And we don't want to do that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look back. We're going to go back and study the stuff that we've covered in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And what I'm going to tell you is, man, we are going to give you the 10,000-foot view of that. Man, we are going to cover probably 9 to 10 hours of sermons <laughs> and try to do this like in 25 minutes. So, man, it is going to be a high-altitude flyover of what we have covered in that. So... If I hit on some points and you think, man, I'd like to know more about that, what I'm going to tell you is this. Go online. All these sermons are online. They're on the First Baptist website. You can go to podcasts and check them out because I'm only giving you a small taste of what we have covered, but we are going to look at it from the overview site. And, uh, man, one of the things we want to remember is this, as we get back into the expositional preaching that we are in, man, in the life of the church, man, there is nothing more important than the word of God. And we want to be a body of believers that are committed to God's word. So if you have your copy of God's word, open up to 2 Corinthians. And today what we're going to do is we're going to read through chapter 1 and chapter 2, and then we're going to discuss it. So if you have your word, we will start in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. 
And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also you are sharers of our comfort. We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from such a great peril of death and will deliver us. He on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. In verse 12, for our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially towards you. For we write nothing else to you than what you read and understand, and I hope you will understand until the end. Just as you partially did understand us, that we are your reason to be proud as you are also ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come to you and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this. Or what I, pur- or what I purpose do I purpose according to the flesh? So that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time. But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus or Christ Jesus, who is preached among you by us, by me, by Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but yes in him. For as many are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore, Excuse me. <clears throat> also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. Who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our heart as a pledge. But I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you I did not come again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but our workers with you for your joy. For in your faith... You are standing firm. And starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, but I determined for my own sake that I would not come to you in sorrow again. For if it causes you sorrow, who then makes me glad but the one whom I made sorrowful? This is the very thing I wrote you, so that when I came, I would not have sorrow from those who ought to make me rejoice, having confidence in you that all my joy would be the joy of, of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not so that you would be made sorrowful, but that you might know the love which I have especially for you. But if any has caused sorrow, he has caused sorrow not to me, but in some degree, in order not to say too much to all of you. Sufficient for me, so oh, sufficient for such a one is the punishment which is inflicted by the majority. So that, so that, on the contrary, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. 
Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your, reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote, so that I might put to you, the, so I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ, so that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, but I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went to Macedonia. And if you would bow your heads, we will pray. God, we come to you today, praying that you will give us ears to hear. Father, we know it's only you who can open our eyes and hearts to the truth that is found in your word and your son. Today, instruct us, challenge us in your word. Father, I pray that as we start this new year, you give us hearts that are burning within us when we read, hear, and study your word. We give all praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. So, in Pastor Chris's introduction to this letter, he describes 2 Corinthians as a letter which challenges and encourages us. It's a letter about family life in the church. And as we read this letter, we see Paul knows about the Corinthians. He loves them. He cares for them. He was wounded by them, and he pastors them. And one of Pastor Chris's quotes that I really loved as he preached this sermon is, Paul loved them and was driven nuts by them. And what I liked about that, he says, Man, this is what church life looked for them, looked like for them, and it's what it looks like for us. Sometimes, man, church life is going to be messy. And the truth is, sometimes we're the ones that are contributing to the mess within it, right? But in the end, it is worth it. We need the church. We need the church. How does your life look like when you're out of the body? And the flip side of that is, not only do we need the church, but the church needs you. You're important to the body because something is missing when you're gone. When you are not here, it is not the same. So starting in chapter 1, we learned a couple of things. The first thing we noticed was this. And introductions to letters are important. They're not to be skipped over. Um, like they have nothing in them at, for us at all. And in verses 1 and 2, we learned about our identity. And what he told us was this. Man, if we belong to Jesus, you are a saint, Right? This is who Christ says you are. And for some of us that have grown up in a way that makes us super uncomfortable, right? Because we think, man, I'm not a saint. Man, you don't know who you're talking about. But that's what he says. He says you are a saint. And it's not because of who you are. It's about your positional identity. We aren't saints by our work. We're only saints by the atoning work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So act like saints is what Pastor Chris said. He said if you are saved and you are a member of the body and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, Act like a saint. Live like a saint. Be the people that God has called you to be. And we also learned in those verses how grace and peace travel together. Man, that is a beautiful thing to think about. Grace and peace travel together. When Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, man, we are no longer enemies of God, are we? We are not his enemies. Through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we get to know grace. And the gospel brings us together. We're all of the same family. We are all adopted into the same family by the blood of what Jesus Christ did. And as believers, then we get to call God our Father. And we read about how suffering and comfort go. 
And Paul, as he wrote in 2 Corinthians and as he wrote in the majority of the Bible, says more about suffering and comfort than anybody else. And here's where he talks about it the most. And Paul tells us, God is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So in verses 3 through 7, an introduction to something that's going to be covered as we go on in our study of 2 Corinthians is this. God comforts us in our afflictions. That as we are afflicted, we will find comfort in God. And we talked about the importance that as we study God's word, we need to look at verses 3 through 12, and we need to memorize them. We need to guard them in our heart because life is hard. Life is hard. And when afflictions and troubles come, we need to know his word and what he says through his word about what is going to happen with that. And what we see is this, again, God is the father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. And Paul knew this was true. Paul knew this true. As we read through that, and as we studied in there, we saw that he does know that. He knew it through divine revelation, and he also knew it through personal experience, didn't he? We read about what had happened in his life. And as we read about the God who comforts us in our affliction, he tells us that we'll be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the same comfort which we ourselves were comforted by. And God tells us comfort isn't something that was intended to end with us. It wasn't intended to end with us, but something to be passed on. The purpose of comfort is to make us a comforter ourselves. And it's only the power of God that we can face the afflictions that we are going to face in life. He is telling us, in your life, you may suffer. It may be hard. There may be afflictions. And those things may come from presenting the gospel. Some of them may come from sin. But the ones that come because of our boldness as we proclaim the gospel, oh, man, it is worth it. It is worth it. Follow Jesus no matter what the cost is. And starting in verse 8, Paul wants to make them aware of his affliction in Asia. And as we read about that in chapter 1, we don't really know exactly what the trouble was, but it was bad, right? It was so bad that when he describes it, he talks about it as despairing of life, having the sentence of death upon themselves, right? Have you ever been that burdened? Man, have you ever lived life where you felt like, man, I despair life. Man, I have the sentence of death on it. And what Paul is going to tell us in these verses is that even then, man, there is a divine purpose in our affliction. Paul saw he couldn't, through this, what Paul sees is he can't trust in himself, can he? He can't trust in himself for deliverance, but he can trust in, in God who raises the dead. He trusts in God who raises the dead. So here's my question. is affliction, as things come into your life, who are you trusting in? Where is your trust at? God or yourself. When affliction comes into your life, where do you put your trust? And he tells us, have hope. And what we have hope in is God who raises the dead. Man, he has raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, and that gives us hope to know that no matter what happens, one day we are going to be with him in heaven. And as the body of Christ, he also talks about this idea that, man, people shouldn't be unaware of our afflictions or our comforts. We need to share things. We talked about this Wednesday night as we prayed. Um, man, we're to invite others to pray with us, right? Invite others to pray to us. We need to follow the example of Paul as we look in his writings over and over. He wrote to other places, letting them know what was going on and how they needed to pray for him and the churches he was involved with. And if Paul is doing that, 
How much more should we be the ones that are doing that? Um, so, so, um, when Paul prays, he expects things that are going to happen, right? He expects that, he would, that, 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 that deliverance would come from the Lord. He trusts that God is going to deliver. So the truth is we need to share our burdens with each other. We need to lift them up in prayer. And the purpose of that is as we share our burdens, as we lift our things up in prayer, that as those prayers get on, answered, what are we able to do? We're able to give more glory to God, aren't we? The more people that know what is going on, the more prayers that are lifted up, giving him glory for the deliverance that he offers. So share life. Share those things. And then we studied verses 12 through 14. And Pastor Chris broke these down in a way that was different than what he normally does. Normally we go in this direct order. When he got to 14 through 12, he diversed it. He started in 14 and finished with 12. And if you remember in 14, Paul talks about this idea how the Corinthians were proof of his faithful commission as an apostle to the Gentiles. He loved them. He went to them. He was doing the work that the Lord had called him to. And he says, on the day of the Lord, on the day that the Lord returns, Paul is going to be able to boast in these Corinthians of what they have learned. And not only is, they going to be, is he going to be able to boast in them, they're going to be able to boast back into him because he was a faithful servant of Jesus. And he did all this for the glory of God. Paul also encourages them in growth through God's word and through experiential knowledge. Paul wants them to grow in their understanding of the message and he also wants them to grow in their understanding of the messenger. And Pastor Chris asked the question, what are we doing to pursue, pursue growth of Jesus and his message? What are we doing in our life to grow in our walk with knowing God, knowing his word, and knowing Jesus Christ? Or are we pretty content in where we're at? And as we come into 24, a lot of times that's what we want to do, right? We come into a new year and we have these great plans. What I'm going to tell you is you want to have a great plan? Grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Growing your commitment of understanding his word and growing more and more with him. And lastly, what we saw is Paul's boasting. And he said, I'm not boasting in myself, but what God does through him. And then we got the verses 15 through 22, which address one of the major problems in the letter. And the problem was this. Some of the Corinthians are upset with Paul, aren't they? Do you remember why they were upset with Paul? He hadn't come to them, had he? He had written them in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and said, my plan is to come to you. And between 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 2 Corinthians chapter 1, something happens and he doesn't come, does he? Um, and what this does, it leads to this group. It leads to this group, for a lack of a better term, I'm going to use the vernacular I use. We got some Paul haters in Corinth, right? We got people that are hating on Paul. They call them the super apostles, Right? As he writes in the letter, we'll later see him called these super apostles, which really, they're not super apostles. What they are is they're a group that's being used by Satan to question Paul. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to cast doubt on the words of Paul, of what he says. They try to point to this idea of he is not a man that keeps his word. If he kept his word, he would have been here and he didn't. So they're trying to cast doubt on Paul. But the truth is, in trying to cast doubt on Paul, they're trying to get the church not to trust Paul. And if they can get the church not to trust Paul, they're going to say what he says isn't true, which is going to move them further away from God and closer to the messages that they want to preach to him. But Paul points the Corinthians back to God, and he tells them God is faithful. And he talks about the greatness of God. He tells them that in Jesus, all of God's promises are kept. 
But as we look through Jesus, we see all the Old Testament, all the prophets, everything that was ever spoken of was made true when Jesus Christ came and as he died, lived and as he died and rose again. So at the end of chapter 1, Paul is appealing to them on why he sent a letter versus coming to them in person. And his absence was not because he didn't love him. He wanted to avoid further sorrow with him. And he's reassuring him that he is their fellow worker. And what he else wants them to remember is they're not subject to Paul. They're subject to Christ. So starting in chapter 2 in verses 1 through 4, what you start to see is Paul's pastoral heart. Man, he knew what the letter he was sending was a hard letter. It was going to be hard for him, but he went ahead and sent it anyway. And what we see in that is love is Paul's motive when he sends this letter. And what we need to understand as believers is sometimes the most loving thing to do is to confront another brother or sister in love. And we see Paul looking through this letter to try to restore fellowship within the Corinthian church. And Paul in these, in these verses reminds him, that true joy is only found in union with Jesus. And when we studied this part, Pastor Chris asked this question of, man, what are you chasing for joy? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Are we trying to find joy in other areas that aren't him? And in verses 5 through 11, excuse me, Paul discusses the painful letter and how there was a purpose in it. And the purpose of it was church discipline, right? They are to confront the one that has caused this problem, all right? And as they confront the one, what Paul finds out is the person that it causes to happen repents from his sins. He repents from his sins. He turns away from them. And now what he wants the church to see is this. Um, he wants them to forgive and comfort the one who's repented and reaffirm their love for him. And there's a purpose in that, that as he's repented and turned from his sins, as they love him and bring him back into the fold, Satan doesn't get to accomplish what he wants to do. Because Satan's goal and mission is to destroy the church. And Pastor Chris's last sermon before the Advent series was verses 12 through 13. And what we see in verses 12 through 13 of chapter 2, man, is a powerful display of Paul's love for the believers in Corinth and the lost people around him. Because in chapters, excuse me, in verses 12 through 13, what we read is Paul goes to Troas. And when he was there, for what purpose? To deliver the gospel to people that didn't know it. He'd gone to an area where they did not know that. And this is coming out of a season, man, where he had been run out of Corinth, right? They had run him out. Someone had run Paul out of it. Man, it is a, it is a tough time in his life. But the truth is that even in the, in the face of an attack, Paul continues to serve the Lord. He continues to do the work that God has called him to do. And he by, is doing this by going to places where God isn't known. And despite his pain, despite his hurt, the work continues. And as we read, man, there was a wide door open for him for ministry in Troas, right? That the Lord had opened. There was an opportunity for him to do this work. But the problem he runs into is this. Man, there's no rest in his spirit, is there? That's the words that he uses. There's no rest in his spirit. And why is there no rest in his spirit? Because he's worried about Titus. Man, his brother, his son in the faith, he is worried about him. And he's worried because he hasn't seen him. He's worried because he loves him, he hasn't seen him. But he's also worried about this. He knows that Titus has a message for him. He's delivered the letter. He knows what the reaction to the letter is going to be. And he desires to hear what has gone on. 
what is going on at the church in Corinth. So what does he do? And he goes and looks for Titus. He goes and looks for Titus. He goes to Macedonia, which lets them know that he is on that journey back to Corinth. Man, and what Paul did is he left this wide open door in Troas to make his way back to this church that he loves. And, Chris, and Pastor Chris ended this sermon by reminding us, we may not be just like Paul, but keep growing. Keep growing in our faith. Keep growing in our knowledge. Have partners. Have people that you are living life with within the body. People that know you. People that are able to, to help you in your study. People that are able to help you in your prayer requests and the things like that. Because the truth is, God has brought us together as a family. And we are the family of Christ. We have been adopted into this family. And that should bring joy into our heart. It should strive for what we want to be able to do along those lines. So, to prepare us for next week, Pastor Chris is going to pick up. And, and the truth is, I was talking to somebody today. Man, I don't know next January if we're not talking about, man, we're getting really close to ending this sermon. <laughs> we're getting really close to finishing the book of 2 Corinthians. We've got a way to go. And it may cover this whole next year. But amen, what a good way to cover the year. It is God's word, and it is going to strengthen us and do that. So to prepare ourselves for next week, to be ready, we're going to look at what God's word says, starting in verse 14. And it says, but thanks be to God who always leads us to triumph in Christ and manifests, us through, and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one an aroma from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like many, peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in, speak in Christ in the sight of God. And that's what we'll pick up next week, man, Pastor Chris. We'll dive into that, and, and, and we'll get back to what's normal for us. We will get back into the, the, the steady, man, good learning of God's word. And that's where we will be. So for application today, not a whole lot of application because basically what we did is cover something like this. That's what me and Bonnie were joking around the other day, and she's like, man, just man, hit all those application points. That would be perfect. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. But we've covered a lot of ground today. Hopefully that's been good for your heart as next week we jump back into what we do, this deep study of God's word. And my hope is this, man. There are certain people that would come in here today and say, man, that's not a very exciting sermon. And I would say that's because of the guy that presented it. But what I'm going to tell you is what is exciting is we, we studied the word of God. We read the word of God, and that should excite our hearts. As we head into 2024, man, if that word of God is not exciting you, man, I want to spend some time talking to you. I want to spend some time talking to you because this is what should excite us. There is nothing we do better than read the word of God. Man, that is where truth and that is where life is found. Because I'm telling you, the word of God is life and it contains everything we need to know. So tomorrow's the beginning of 2024, New Year's Day. And tonight we're going to sit around our house and we're going to start making these resolutions, aren't we? We're going to start talking about what we want to see happen in the next year the stuff that wants to happen and what the next year is going to look like. Let me ask you this. As you are making those plans, man, how prominent is Jesus in that? How prominent is Jesus in your plans? We talk about this idea, man. It's easy to get up here and talk about the day before the new year. What's your Bible plan look like for next year? 
Have you got one picked out? Or are you sitting here saying, oh, I'm disappointed because guess what? Man, I'm 60 days behind in where I was supposed to be in my reading plan, so I just gave up and I'm not reading it anymore and this and that. That's not what we're here to argue about. What we're here is how important is the word of God daily in your life? Man, think about that as we were making resolutions. Um, how about living life as part of the body? The truth is, after the past few years, man, there's people that are missing from the body. What a great opportunity for us to reach out in your small groups, people that used to sit around you and say, man, we miss you. We miss you. We want you back. Not only that, how about you making a commitment to I am going to be here every opportunity I get, not because it's the right thing. We talked about this in Sunday school today. Sometimes we get caught up in, in ritual. We don't come here because it's the ritual. We don't come here because it's Sunday morning and that's what I'm supposed to do. We come here because we get the opportunity to come. We get the opportunity to learn about God and that it changes and affects our lives. And that's what we want to happen. And the last thing I want you to do is think about 2023. What all has God done for you? What do you need to give him praise for that he has accomplished this year in your life? And I hope that as we think about those things, that has an effect on our heart. And what I'm hoping is, as we think about God's word, our fellowship, man, all he has done for us, that it builds up this energy in us that we read about in Luke when those guys are talking about, man, weren't our hearts on fire as we heard about his word? That it creates in us a bold witness that we have this desire that I want people to know who Jesus Christ is. Like we talked about John Piper's quote earlier. My favorite part of that is, Pursue being like Jesus now. Now is the time to do that. We want to pursue him with all we do. So make a commitment to be in God's word daily. Make a commitment to gather together with the saints um, and be reading and studying God's word. Man, be an active member of the family of First Baptist Church. Um, so and if you'd bow your heads, we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come to you today. Again, and just being, man, renewed, hopefully, transformed, not by anything that's said, but by what we've read in your word, Lord. We have read your call to family. We have called, we have seen that it is messy. We have seen how you are the God of all mercy who comforts us in all our afflictions. Lord, we have seen the love that believers are to have for one another. Oh, Lord, let this word affect us, Lord. God, I just come to you and just pray that it, this next year, as we are setting our resolutions, that you are at the front of those, Lord, that you are at the forefront of our mind. God, we pray for you to give us your eyes, your heart, your ears in this coming year to be open to the ways that we can tell the world about who your son Jesus Christ is. Oh, Lord, man, make us bold witnesses for your kingdom. We just give all praise in Jesus' name. And I don't know